0: Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And here's your host. She wants to be a guest star in Crazy Rich Asians, Dr. Grace Lee. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Career Revisionist. I hope you've been enjoying my intros and my outros as well. So today I wanted to move on to a related but a different topic. So as you can tell by the title, I'm talking about being articulate, you know, how to be more articulate, what are some ways that you become more articulate? And it's interesting because on the idea of being articulate, I mean, I I feel that it's often confused with... Having a big vocabulary of big words, and it's also confused with enunciation. So, being articulate and enunciating your words very clearly don't necessarily go hand in hand. And I know that I mean a lot of my friends tell me that when I pronounce words, I pronounce the words very clearly because I always pronounce my T's and I always pronounce my S's and, and 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 things like that. You know, so I've I've always been told with feedback wherever I go that you enunciate very clearly. And it doesn't, and it doesn't mean that you are automatically articulate if you pronounce all your T's, even if the T's occur in the middle of the words. Being articulate is something a lot different than that, and it it, it also involves a different skill set. So, let well, will take for example. I mean, what comes to mind when you think of someone who is articulate? And I mean, maybe you picture someone on stage in front of ten thousand people or more, and they're just and everyone's just captivated by what they say. Or maybe it's someone who's done a TED Talk, at least a TED Talk, because, you know, that's the measure of success for a speaker, right? And so it may be for you, someone who is articulate has to have done a TED Talk, and it gets a lot of shares, and it's one of those popular TED Talks. Or maybe you think of someone who's just extremely eloquent in their speech, and their powerfully persuasive, so they can get the room to do anything they want or to buy whatever they have to sell at the end of their speech. And maybe that to you is a defini- definition of articulate. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that idea and I'm going to flip that upside down. So here we go. Being articulate is actually nothing more than being able to express your ideas and your thoughts in a way that people understand exactly what you're trying to say it's nothing more than just accurate communication. And the whole purpose of communication is to understand. So if you, for example, if you're using a lot of jargon in your speech and you're using big vocabulary with a lot of, you know, multi-syllable words strung into one sentence, then you're not really communicating because most people may not know the definitions of all the words. Most people don't use those words in normal conversation. I mean, I, I read this article that if you look at some of the most popular or, or some of the most talked about presidents of the United States, they don't talk at a university grade level of reading. They talk and they write at between a grade five reading level to a grade eight or nine reading level. And that's because, and that's why they do it, is because they want to reach out. They want the most, um, they want all people who, under, who are listening to them, who are reading the, what they have to say, they want them to understand what they're saying. And a majority of Americans and a majority of the world would understand them if they spoke at that grade level. Right? So if articulation, and articulation is nothing more than having people understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, that's communication, but you're doing it in a way that's accurate. And that's articulation. So what I'm going to do in this episode is I want to give you eight really powerful secrets on how to become more articulate. And it's not as hard as it seems. You don't have to have any innate powers of speaking. You don't have to be an internationally sought after public speaker. You can be. And I don't know about you, but I have... I have attended some speeches. I have attended some presentations, international presentations from highly acclaimed speakers, and they're highly acclaimed and they're sought after because of their ideas, the quality of their ideas. But when you go, in, when I went and I, I listened to them talk in the moment, in that auditorium or in that in that room, I was actually quite surprised because they weren't necessarily articulate right? Sometimes their ideas are so complex, and they're so used to talking to a particular audience that they don't necessarily get their point across, or they're not good presenters. You know, so you the, you the feeling you get when you listen to them is that, wow, they're brilliant. They're obviously really good at what they do because of the achievements they've had and the accolades they have after their name. But when you listen to their presentation, they're on stage and they're presenting their idea. They're obviously very passionate about it. And they're obviously very sought after. But the feeling you get from their presentation, the feeling you get from their speech is not as pleasant as you, as you would expect. I mean, there are moments where he loses you, he or she loses you, or there's moments where you feel like bored. You know? and, and that's happened to me many times. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been to these presentations like that. So articulate, being articulate doesn't necessarily mean you're a, a well-sought-off speaker. It could be the result of it, but it's not a prerequisite. Okay, so eight powerful secrets on how to be more articulate. The first one, number one, secret number one is to expand your vocabulary. And I mentioned it just now. It's not about, Is I'm not talking about grabbing a dictionary and reading it for the multi-syllable words and getting your vocabulary of big words and being familiar with all the big words out there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'll tell you a story about that. When I finished high school, I had this notion that, okay, I'm about to start university now and I want to be respected. I want to impress my professors. So I went out and I bought a dictionary and not just a regular dictionary. It was an Oxford dictionary and it was the dictionary of difficult words. And I kid you not, that's the title of the dictionary. It's a dictionary of difficult words. So, and I knew, and so I went to the bookstore and I I was searching out a way that I could sound smarter. And of course, the first thing I thought was, I just need to expand my vocabulary. And the first thing about the first thing I think about expanding vo- vocabulary is that I need to know more big words. So I went to the bookstore and I deliberately searched for this particular dictionary, if it existed. And lo and behold, it existed. So I bought this dictionary. I opened it up in the bookstore and I tried to look up a simple word and it was not in that dictionary. So therefore, it was a dictionary of difficult words only. And I thought, perfect. So I buy this thing, take it back, and I started studying it from A to Z. I was like, okay, I'm just going to pick a letter from, you know, chronological order. I'm going to pick a letter and I'm going to just start to study and to learn new words. And that's exactly what I did. So I did this for a a few years. (laughs) I did this for a few years during my first college degree. And I learned one thing from it. I learned that in my normal conversation, in regular conversations with my peers, my colleagues, my professors, and with my friends that it didn't feel natural for me to use those difficult words. And a lot of times, most of the time, the com- conversations I have with them in day-to-day life, don't, they don't give any opportunity to use those difficult words because you're not talking about that. right? And if you, try to, if you try to squeeze it in somehow just to sound smart, then it doesn't sound natural. And I also learned that sounding smart for the sake of sounding smart isn't smart. Right. And and so throughout my life, when I learned these difficult words, there were only there was only two instances where studying those difficult words served me. One, the first instance was when I was writing my MCAT. So the MCAT is your medical college admissions test. And it's a standardized test that I wrote in London in UK at the time. And there's a component in the MCAT exam where it's all about English. So you have to, it's, it's, you read passages and you answer questions and and you, or you write an essay. And it was that, that moment was one of the moments that it helped me that studying difficult words helped me out because of course it's a very super high reading level and knowing those difficult words helped me on the MCAT exam. The second instance that knowing difficult words helped me was during my PhD defense So this is when I'm in front of the room and there's a a committee, I'm in front of a committee of six professors who are, who have been in the field for 20 plus years, 25, you know, maybe some of them even 30, over 30 years of experience in, in their particular field of research. And I was in front of the room and the way they talk, you know, they're very scholarly and of course they are because they're the world's best at what they do. And they were my examiners, my oral examiners for this. It's like an oral exam. And so knowing these difficult words helped me during my PhD defense. And those were the only two times where having knowledge and expansive knowledge on, you know, multi-syllabic words was helpful to me. Outside of that, I never used it. And also, sounding smart for the sake of, of sounding smart, it never served me well. And so... That's not what I'm talking about here when I'm saying expanding your vocabulary. I'm not saying go out and learn the biggest words you can find. Being articulate means being able to express your perspectives clearly and in a way that attracts and keeps their attention. So if that's true, then you just want to focus on descriptive words, especially words that describe emotions. So when you're expanding your vocabulary, what I'm talking about is expanding your vocabulary of words that describe emotions. So these are adjectives, or these are emotion words. For example, emotion words like anger, sad, frustration. Those are commonly used words. But then there are more words in the English language that describe emotions in a more nuanced way, like anguish, right? And these are less commonly used, but they're understood as well. So expand your vocabulary on the emotion words, that give you more nuances when you're trying to describe and express yourself. Okay, secret number 2. That's practice improvising. Okay, secret number 2 is practice improvising. So learning how to be more expressive will help you to convey the meaning and emotions behind what you're trying to say. And that is the key to being articulate because if you're more expressive and you incorporate your body language and you're more expressive, you're incorporating vocabulary that describes how you feel or describes emotions that involve your ideas, then people connect with you because people connect with emotions. And emotions are more clearly conveyed by how you say the words rather than the exact words that you're using. Right? So, how includes the way that you say the words. And your word choice matters, yes, but how you say it matters more. So I would say that, you know, if you, if you want to get better at this, being more expressive, you can take an improv class or an acting class, and that will really teach you how to become more expressive in your speech and your body language. So I did this too during my college. I mean, this was during my dictionary reading years. At the same time, I wanted to explore the arts, because uh, as, as most of you know, if, if, if you've been following me for a while, my background is in science, life science to be specific. My first degree was in biochemistry, and I also did a minor in, in microbiology. And so I was really immersed in science. And, and I was like, I was thinking to myself, this was during my second, after my first year, second year was when you had to declare your major, and I declared biochemistry. And I was a bit nervous when I declared that major because it felt like I was committing to something for the rest of my life, and I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do. You know, you're like, you're 19 years old, and you're not sure whether or not you're making the right choice. So I wanted to make sure I've exhausted all my options. So at that time, I went and I tried everything that I could get my hands on to do arts and fine arts, you know. And one of the things that I, two of the things that I did was, one of them was I auditioned for musicals. So this was like acting and singing in one, and I challenged myself. I auditioned for a male part in the play, you know, and so I was on stage and I was auditioning, and I and I had to do a singing part, portion of it, acting portion of it, and I was playing a, a male, right, a male, a, a male character. So it was, a really, it was a really big challenge, but it really drew me out of my shell. And at that time, I was I was quite a shy person, and I didn't feel comfortable being in front of more than five people at once (laughs) so this is definitely I would never have thought about doing a podcast or public speaking at that age but I did it anyway and my primary motivation was to explore and make sure that I've exhausted my all my options so I'm sure that science is the field that I wanted to pursue but it turns out that going through that acting and going through those classes and that audition really helped me to be more expressive Right. It, it, it not only did it help me to become less shy and to become more used to myself and hearing my voice, but it also helped me to be more expressive and it helped me to be more expressive because you're acting, right? You're trying to act out something. You're trying to convey something from a script and you're trying to bring it to life on stage. So that really helped me to become more articulate. So the second thing I did, besides auditioning for musicals, was that I went to karaoke competitions. And this was, it wasn't, it was a competition, but it wasn't like an international competition. It was just a local competition in the city, smaller community of people who love karaoke. So I did, I I went and and I competed a few times. And my goal was not to win the competition. But my goal at that time was to get more comfortable with my own voice. I'll share something with you, a secret. My voice, the sound of my voice was the single thing that I was the most insecure about as I was growing up. I just, I just hated the sound of my voice. And anytime I would hear it or I would, you know, if it was too quiet and I could just hear my voice talking or it was in a recording, I just, I just cringed every time I heard my voice. So going through the karaoke, going through a karaoke competition and just, hearing the sound of my own voice as well in different tones and pitch and intonations and even in, in singing, it helped me to be more expressive and to be able to practice improvising as well. So that's something that I, I I would recommend. Okay, so moving on, secret number three is to pause. If you strategically pause before and after the words and phrases you want to emphasize, that will help to convey meanings pauses are really powerful. And it's actually better to use pauses than to use filler words. So filler words are things like, uh, or um, you know, those are really common filler words. I wasn't the type, now admittedly, I was never the type to use filler words very often. It, it, it never really sunk stuck with me i never used filler words before and this is the feedback i've gotten from professors and teachers growing up as well that they were they praised me for not using them but if you do if that's something that you know you do and you've received feedback that you're always use a lot of ums or you say ah very often if that's you i mean don't beat yourself up over it all you need to do is when you catch yourself needing to spend more time to think about something, that's usually when you want to use filler words. When you catch yourself not knowing quite what to say, or you just need to gather your thoughts in that moment because you've forgotten something. That is usually the instance where we tend to pull, reach for filler words. And that's why we go, ah, because we're actually thinking. And that's also we do this because we're uncomfortable with silence, right? So we use filler words to fill in that silence because silence is awkward, you know, in society anyway, and maybe we were not used to it. So get used to silence. Because the thing is, not all silence is awkward. You can use silence as your weapon. Silence is pausing. So if you pause strategically, you cover up the fact that you need more time to think about what you want to say. And it sounds like you did it deliberately. So you make it like it's deliberate. So it's better to pause than to use filler words. And that also makes it, sound, makes it sound like you're more knowledgeable rather than you've forgotten what you're trying to say. You did it on purpose, if that makes sense. Okay, so secret number four. Pay attention to your tone and your accentuation. Okay, so what is that? What is tone? What is accentuation, right? Tone is a change in pitch in your voice. And every time you change the pitch in your voice, it changes the meaning. Now, let me, let me illustrate. Some languages, like Chinese, you know, my, my mother tongue was Cantonese. Tone is word-specific. What that means is that in Chinese, if you change your tone, then you actually change the word completely. You change the tone and you're saying a completely different word. So I'll illustrate. By, I'll illustrate. Okay. So take the word M-A. So in English, you pronounce that Ma, right? In Chinese, there are several different tones that you can you can use in, in in that so for example if you if if i pronounce ma with the tone ma right it's mother if i use a different tone and i say ma it's a horse right both of those instances ma ma it's tone specific but i'm changing the word completely right so then changing tones In Chinese, it's word-specific. You change the tone and you're saying a completely different word. But in English, it's different. Tone is statement-based. If you change the tone, the meaning of what you say changes, not the words. Okay, so I'll I'll give you an example. If you... Okay, i give you an example with the sentence. Okay, so here's a sentence that I'm going to use. The sentence is, I didn't say your website was outdated. And this is perfect to illustrate this on on podcast because you cannot see my body language. So all you have is the sound of my voice and my tone, okay? So if I change the intonation of each word in that sentence, I didn't say your website was outdated, so that's the sentence. If I change the intonation of each word, you'll notice that the meaning behind what I'm saying changes. Let me illustrate. I didn't say your website was outdated. I'm going to change the intonation of the first word. I didn't say your website was outdated, right? I didn't say your website was outdated. So that means that I didn't say it, someone else did, right? Okay, so now let me change the intonation of the word say. I didn't say your website was outdated, right? So if I didn't, so that implies that I didn't say it, I was thinking it, or I didn't say it, I told someone else, or or I didn't, you know what I mean? So that changes the meaning of it. Okay, so let me change the intonation of the fourth word. I didn't say your website was outdated. See, I, I, I changed the intonation. I didn't say your website was outdated, right? So it wasn't your website, it was someone else's website that was outdated. And if I change the intonation of the last word, I didn't say your website was outdated, I didn't say your website was outdated, right? I changed the intonation of the last word, which means that I said that your website was, maybe it wasn't outdated, it was perfect, it was beautiful, it was gorgeous, it was ugly even, right? So then you see what I mean? Every time you change the intonation of a word in English, it changes the meaning. And this is a lot of times something that non-native English speakers, it's really difficult to pick up. I remember when I was learning English as a second language, I just struggled with that. And to this day, I still struggle with it because, you know, sarcasm is actually based on a lot of intonation changes. Of course, word usage as well. But I struggle with sarcasm even to this day, right? So in English, intonation is very important because how you say it is all about intonation and intonation changes the meaning. So if you want to be more articulate, then you want to pay attention to your intonation, to your tone, because you want the tone of what you're using to match what you're actually trying to say. If changing the tone changes the meaning, you want to pay attention to the tone, right? Okay, so the second part of that was accentuation. So what's accentuation? Accentuation is the act of making certain syllables clearly distinct from the other syllables, by putting more effort on them or saying them more loudly or maybe using a higher pitch. Right? So when I use that, when I use the intonation of I didn't say your website was outdated, you'll notice that sometimes I use a higher pitch. Like I didn't say your website was outdated. Right? So sometimes you want to, sometimes you're changing the pitch as well, not just the intonation. But, I'm sorry, not, sometimes you're changing the accentuation as well, not just the tone, right? But I'll give you an example of, of how changing accentuation only changes the meaning as well. So let's take, for example, the word P-R-E-S-E-N-T. If I accentuate the first syllable, the word is present. Present, right? So A present is something that you can give to someone. You wrap it up in a a, a nice box, put a nice bow on it and give it to someone. It's a present, right? If I accentuate the second syllable, I get present. So present versus present. Changing that syllable, accentuation by accentuation, changes it from a noun to a verb, right? And so it is is meaning-based, right? So that's what I mean. It changes the meaning of what you're saying. So if you want to be more articulate, you want to pay attention to both your tone and your accentuation. Okay. Secret number five is to listen to yourself. Listen to yourself talk and just pay attention to how you feel when you hear yourself talk. For example, when you hear yourself speaking in a normal conversation, ideally, do you feel pleasant or do you feel irritated? Do you feel that your voice is energizing to listen to or is it drowsy? And if you feel the same, if you feel that way, if you or if you feel a particular way, chances are there may be a high chance that most people feel the same way when they hear your voice. So, I would suggest try recording yourself as you're talking in a normal conversation, or maybe you can get feedback from other people and you just give them the green light to give you honest feedback and don't take it personally. Right. And so I, I, will say that when I, when I was going through the auditions for the musicals, and when I was going through karaoke contests, and I knew they were rec- recorded because they were competitions and they were public competitions, and the auditions were not public, but there were people there and they were, re- they were recording those auditions too. So I would approach the organizers and I asked for a copy of the recording. And sometimes they gave it to me, sometimes they didn't. But when they did, it gave me an opportunity to listen to my own voice and to be critically listening to my own voice, but not not judging it, right? And so when you, if you have those opportunities, get the recordings, listen to them. If not, then just get feedback from people you trust. And ask yourself, you know, can you adjust the general tonality to something more pleasing and, and then just stick to that? So listening to yourself is a great way to improve and to know your starting point and what you have to work with. Okay, so now secret number six, that is to portray confidence and self-assurance. Here's a thought. People don't see you through their eyes. People see you through your eyes. So how you see yourself is essentially going to be the mirror of how they see you too. So you want to give them the impression that you're 100% sure of yourself, that you're an authority in the subject matter you're talking about, and that you believe wholeheartedly in what you're saying. And part of coming across confident is to project your voice. A good rule of thumb is is to be capable of talking with enough intensity so that anyone who's about 10 feet away, a radius of 10 feet away, can clearly understand you. So that's a good rule of thumb. So practice that, you know, you can, you can ask a friend to, to stand at certain points around you in a semicircle in front of you, 10 feet away and just project your, project your voice you know, and project it. And of course, not to sound condescending or that you're yelling at them, but with the tone of confidence and self-assurance. So this, this is where the recording helps as well, right? And recording yourself on video, you know, portray that confidence and self-assurance. What does your body language look like? Is it confident? Is it is are you feeling like an authority? Do you come across that way? Okay, now next one. Secret number 7 is to use variation. You want to keep it interesting. Keep your communications interesting by varying the lengths of your sentences. For example, one thing you can do is to follow any long sentences after short sentences and vice versa. And this really helps your message come across more clearly because if, for example, if you say three or more long sentences in tandem, you might actually end up losing people because they're just overloaded with information. Right? So vary it up a bit. If you've used a long sentence, then follow up with short sentences just to make sure that they're understanding what you're saying and to make sure that they're not overwhelmed with the information that is inside of long sentences. I mean, you know this too when you're reading a book and you're reading a book that is, has a whole bunch of new ideas in a field that you're not familiar with because you want to learn something new. You want to learn a new skill. You would appreciate if the author had some shorter sentences to read. You know, because if every sentence of the book were like three lines long down each paragraph, it'd be really difficult. You'd have to be rereading a lot. You know, you'd have to be underlining, highlighting and rereading a lot. So it's actually, it's actually favorable. It's actually, you know, you would thank the author if they included more white space or shorter sentences. Same thing with speech. You want to vary your sentence length. Another thing you might want to vary is the speed at which you talk and your volume. Because then this will give people a chance to understand and follow what you're saying. Like, for example, you can slow down your speed of talking when you want to emphasize certain words and phrases. And then you can speed up again when you know that they're already understanding what you're saying. Right. So then you are if you're in if you're in person talking on stage, what I usually do is I scan their faces and of course, if I'm in an auditorium, a big auditorium with hundreds of people, I may not see the people in the back row, but front row, first six rows I can see, you know, or whatever, first 10 rows I can see, depending on how how well lit the audience is, right? They're a good enough gauge. They will be my gauge. I, what I do is I scan their faces, you know, and you can see from their from their eyes, you can see from if they're nodding their heads, you can see it you know, from their posture, whether or not they understand or whether or not you've lost them completely. Right. So that's what I use. I use as a gauge. And if they're understanding and they're connecting and they're resonating, then I take it as a cue that I made my point and I got across to them. So then I can speed up again, or I can use a longer sentence now. Right. So speed and volume will also help you to be more expressive. A good rule of thumb is to speed up your pace in speech. And increase the volume when you're telling an exciting story and then slow down your pace of speech and lower the volume when telling a sad or serious story. And that gets your point across because it's, remember, it's how you say it more than the exact words you choose to use. So slowing down your pace, lowering your volume can convey and express your emotions All right. Are you with me so far? Last secret, secret number eight is to understand yourself. And you might be wondering, how is that going to help me be more articulate if I understand myself? It sounds like self-discovery, right? Exactly. It is self-discovery. You want to get a solid understanding on the reasons for your lack of articulation. Because maybe you have some tension and some social anxiety that result from your own thoughts and perceptions, or maybe it's a fear of being at the center of attention and embarrassing yourself. And it's important to have this understanding. It's important to discover what the reasons are, because once you understand the root causes, then you can work to overcome them. And then you'll start to develop that peace of mind and confidence that you need to articulate your speech carefully in situations that would normally intimidate you. So getting an understanding is to help you to, to become the person you need to be to become articulate. Does that make sense? Because if you worked on the first seven secrets and you, and you didn't get down to the root causes for your lack of articulation in the first place, it'd be difficult to keep it up in the long term. Does that make sense? You'll always, you'll, always, you'll always hit up against a wall, an obstacle, and you're not sure why. And you're working on your skills, yes? But if you don't understand the reasons why you've, been, you've, you've lacked articulation, you don't understand that there's this fear, this root fear maybe, or some root cause from a long time ago that hasn't been solved yet, and that's still running you, then you need first to deal with that to have the freedom to thrive on stage or to have the freedom to thrive and being more articulate. And that goes for anything. I mean, having, a, having an understanding of yourself is really key to getting to that next stage of anything, next stage of your career, next stage of your of your job, next stage of anything. Understanding yourself so that you know you have a new psychology, a new mindset to create something new. Because the fact is, you cannot get something new Doing the same things you've been doing or having the same mindset you have. You can't solve problems with the same mindset that you began with. Right? All right, so that's the eight powerful secrets of being more articulate. If you liked my content, I mean give me a thumbs up. Go to iTunes, subscribe. Remember to subscribe to my podcast. If you have any questions about this, I mean leave me a review. I appreciate all your reviews. They're very important to me. Have any questions there? Leave me there, leave them for me there as well. And I have a huge announcement to make as well. I mean, this podcast, Career Visionist podcast, I created it to answer a question on how can we create fulfilling careers doing work we love? Is that even possible? I mean, that was my motivation for creating Career Visionist podcast. And I talk about subjects related to that as well, like articulation today. But at the same time, I want to give you more support. So, if you've been following me for a while, you've been listening to several of my podcasts, and you're kind of still wondering, okay, what do I do next? How do I put all of these learnings together? How do I put it all together? And how do I still, after listening to all this, I still don't know how what the next step is? I still don't know how to how to make it turn, come to a reality. So, if that's you and you're looking for more support, I invite you to visit careerrevisionist.com slash intensive. So that's once again, it's careerrevisionist.com slash intensive. And I've put the link in the show notes. So if you visit iTunes, if, you, if iTunes is your favorite platform, go visit iTunes. And if not, if you're an Android user like me, just go to careerrevisionist.com and you'll see a link to the podcast as well. And all the show notes are there. Inside the show notes is the link to the intensive. And what I've created is a career intensive. And that is a hands-on experience where where you can where I will be there to support you every day to to build that fulfilling career. So visit careerrevisionist slash intensive and everything you need to know is right there so you can learn more read about it there. And I look forward to hanging out with you in my next podcast. So thank you for being with me again for another episode. I mean, I want to just take this moment to thank all my listeners out there all across the world, wherever you are, leave a review for me. That means so much to me to have you here listening. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. So I really thank you from the bottom of my heart. And again, any questions you have, leave them for me anywhere in the reviews and I would be happy to address them in my next podcast. So stay tuned and I'll hang out and we'll talk again soon.